When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to season 2 of the Rose and Shine podcast. A season dedicated to practical insights on how to redesign your career and a live experiment to test our insights in real life. Featuring us, the Swedish sisters, Josephine Bruce and Victoria Bruce also. Based in the US and the UK, we share experiences from our international lives and careers. Good morning, this is Victoria from Atlanta. Good morning. This is Josephine from... No, good, not good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> this is Josephine from Brighton. It is so confusing with all these different time zones. I've had Isn't the whole it week. <laughs> it is. No, but it's true. I've been working with the UN, actually. You're a home surf uh, this past week. And I have so many lovely participants. And they're all based like in Europe and Africa. So I, I sort of have to force myself to say good afternoon instead of good morning, of course. And I, I keep saying good morning when it's their afternoon. And so I've sort of worked on that. And then I go into my next workshop the day after and everyone is here in in the U.S. on the East Coast. And I'm like, good afternoon. <laughs> They're looking at me. I'm like, oh, I've got it right. One day too late. At, at least it's not your 3 a.m. Uh, workshop that you had uh, weeks ago. No, that's true. So today, Victoria, what are we talking about? So today we're going to talk about the third cornerstone of a successful career, yes. namely wealth. At least that's what we put in there. And We've found when we've done a little bit of research and that it could be almost a little bit controversial to talk about wealth, but we truly believe that a successful career enables you to create a wealth that ultimately enables you to make the changes that you want. So they go hand in hand. Does that make sense what I'm saying here, Josephine? Yeah, it makes changes that you might want to do within your career or mm -hmm. also make the changes, I mean beyond that in your whole life yes. we want to make sure that you as a listener create a wealth for yourself that gives you a freedom yes for sure and so in the research for this episode we spoke to a lot of women and they some define wealth as the ability to have a fuck you account <laughs> uh, <laughs> or more nicely put a buffer uh -huh. and just be able to do exactly what we just said some identify wealth as having enough money to be able to buy themselves more time so that they could do more things of what they maybe truly wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And other women that we were speaking with were frankly a bit embarrassed to talk about wealth mm. in, in the first place and thinking it's something very grand, had to do with investments, large pot of money and so on. Yeah. So if you happen to be one of these women, 
thinking or men for that sake that feels that way, we want to tell you that possibly it's time to change your paradigm. Yeah. So keep listening to this episode today if you want to learn what wealth you should look for to Mm -hmm. reach your maximum happiness. Yes. What you should spend your money to maximize your happiness. Mm -hmm. And then how to increase your wealth and possibly increasing what you charge for your time. Mm -hmm. And today we actually have an expert guest that I have interviewed, um, Crystal McGilvery, that we'll come back to in a moment, who will give you some insight on what you need to do to start managing your wealth now. Yes. And moving really from dependent to independent, I guess, is for some of us might be the big purpose of this. Absolutely. So before we, I mean, we were talking about wealth and that's what we named this, but how much money do we need to be happy, Josephine? Well, it's all quite relative. Mm-hmm. So there's some new research that come out, relatively new research in the last couple of years that mm-hmm. have been coming out on this. And our happiness beyond all, meaning independently of how much we make, mm-hmm. it's really what's most important is what circles that you hang out in mm. and how much money you have relatively to other people in that circle. Yeah, which makes me think of some friends of my parents-in-law and they are very wealthy, so wealthy and they have all these houses everywhere and they have this luxurious yacht and all of that. Uh-huh. But that yacht is sitting next to an even bigger yacht. Exactly. You know, so it's a really good reminder that our happiness is very, very relative. Yeah. And of course, it's something that I've seen. I mean, of course, it, when you live around the world and especially when you're working with people that are in very hardship uh, situations, you can still see that there is a lot of a lot of happiness around. Yes. Not only that you take happiness yourself because you feel that you're well off, but rather the other way around. You can actually see because wealth is so relative. Yeah. Then there is, um, of course, an actual amount of money that has been, you know, said in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Being this is the sum of money that you need to make. Oh, and it's it's <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well, it's so, but it actually lands around the median income for Americans. So it's about sixty thousand to seventy five thousand dollars per year per individual mm-hmm. for emotional well being. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to achieve an even higher life satisfaction, we're talking about $95,000 per year per individual. Well, this is a study from the Purdue University. that I use. It's a huge study using a Gallup World Poll data. Yeah. Um, but what I thought was more interesting, so that's not maybe so controversial. I think we've heard it before. You know, it's it's not that much money that you need to make in order to kind of climb the happiness ladder. Mm-hmm. But when people earn more than $105,000 per year, their happiness level decreased. Oh, so it's like a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot. Oh, okay. It's How absolutely a sweet spot. Hmm. And maybe when you start earning that 105, I mean, then you're just comparing with the, you know, with the really wealthy people and there's always going to be wealthier people. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good, and 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 it's humbling living in the U.S. because there's so many wealthy people. I think in Sweden it's a little bit more evenly distributed. You think you can be happier as a rich person in Sweden? Yes. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a Swede richer than richer than you. Anyway, um, so what research also shows consistently that if you want to be happier in your job, you shouldn't really chase a high salary. Mm. The meaning is that you should chase purpose, 
connection, yes. health. <laughs> um, so clearly this is, of course, right down our alley. Then again, our whole episode is around wealth. So yeah. clearly we also want to make sure that we are empowered and, and and can get wealthy. Yeah. So here goes like the old style maybe, but still very relevant theories from Maslow and the Hertzberg hygiene factors of, of the fact that to a certain point, it really like if you can't have your basic needs met with your salary and if you're sort of really frustrated with that, it's going to decrease the happiness. But once you meet that level, it's more the purpose and all of that that will make a bigger meaning to you. Mm-hmm. And how what's your own uh, experience around this and around pursuing happiness rather than salary? Yeah, I, I think I've always... In, gone for happiness and purpose and that's higher than my urge to earn a lot of money for me and sometimes I'm like is that a typical female thing that we're like oh I don't mind I'm just so happy to be on this executive committee and have this fulfilling job that just pay me whatever right and that kind of annoys me so I think that I'm starting to or I've sort of tried like at least I should be paid what I deserve to be paid, mm. right? And so I've I've tried to have a little bit of a paradigm shift, even though happiness and purpose will always come before, as just what I said before, though, if the basic needs are met. But if I feel like I'm in an unfair situation and like, and being mistreated, let's say I'd find out that, oh yeah, all my colleagues on this level, they earn twice as much. Well, then that would actually decrease my motivation. And potentially... What about you? But so potentially, if you saw that all those colleagues were men, it's almost like a feminist move to make sure that your salary is increased because, you know, that also sets expectations for for others. Yeah, exactly. To stand up and for your negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been, I think, chasing happiness more. But again, as you're saying, it's within the realm of... Of of course you want to have things settled and, and in order. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've left um, the UN and and for many many people within the UN, I mean, you try to stay because it's a good it's a good setup for an international life. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not really usual to kind of say, okay, now I'm moving on. I, th- yeah. I think more it would be more common to see how do I find ways to stay within this organization so that I can continue to live. You know, not only to go do good work, but also to live the lifestyle. And that's, I don't have any uh, thoughts around that, but just to say that I have for sure thrown myself out a little bit more. Um, but it comes with costs as well, of course. I'm yeah. in the midst of a career change and Corona. It's not like I'm waking up every day like, <laughs> this is this is clearly the path. I <laughs> so, you know, it, it comes you. and goes. I think you are brave and I'm really proud of you, Josephine, for doing this. Thank you. And I think I am on the right path and I, I feel the same way. But but yes, so uh, pursuing happiness is important. Yeah. But having said, you know what I want to point out here is you can also do this because you've always been, to me, you're a role model in like looking after your finances, right? And you've set yourself up for long-term success by thinking smartly about investing your money and, and earning money when there's possibilities to do so. Yes, that's correct. So I do have a buffer or, or a yeah. you account if you want to <laughs> if you wanted to say that. And it's also 
I was thinking about that. I mean, when you change your lifestyle there or when you change career, potentially, I mean, there might be changes that you need to compromise on. Yeah. And on the one hand, I just never really seen it as compromise. But I, to some extent, still think that I'm a student when I shop. Like, I, I don't really necessarily go for super fancy stuff on the one hand. Yeah. But then it's also about not being, you know, just make uh, really expensive decisions right because that is some of the consequences when you don't have a lot of money yeah and that's interesting like what I've experienced now being in a new country and this is one of the things of in the U.S. you need to in order to get a loan or get a good deal you need all of these credit cards but you can't have them unless you have a credit score mm. so it doesn't matter what you've earned and how much you've paid your bills the rest of your life if you're new in the US you start from zero yes. and the only way ironically to get that up is to spend more money yes, like and yes. buy lots of things and it's such a crazy system because So if you don't have that much money, you can sort of never really win. It's no. going to be more expensive. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's it's, it's a bit madness. Um, but how you then spend your money is actually critical to your well-being. So it's mm -hmm. not only about what we earn, but it also we can we can kind of decide how happy we want to be by following the latest research on what we should spend our money on. Oh. And... Number one is really to spend money on your own personal growth. Yes. Um, connecting with people, contributing to community. And those factors are something that contribute to your happiness. Yeah, I love that. And we, of course, talked a lot about personal growth. Mm. And um, that is, I think, for some people, maybe do not spend money. We might spend money on buying books and personal growth. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that is something too that we can consistently look into. Like, how can we continue to spend <laughs> or to build on our personal growth and occasionally yeah. spend the money that comes up for that course or for that power MBA that I am doing now. That's an incredible investment. It's an investment, um, but it's great. And it's especially now during these kind of times, um, or if you are in a career change type time, investing in yourself now, even though it has some kind of cost, I mean, that would be very recommendable so yeah. that you are stronger coming out of the situation. I actually, now that I reflect on it, I do think that my single most, what I spend my most money on is actually books. Mm. And I, I think that's when we are in just what you're saying in our homes and we can't really move. Like, it's wonderful to be able to bring the world to us, right? And and do even more reading. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. The other idea is to rather to spend money on material things, because the idea is that the human brain, first of all, it's all relative and it also wears off. Like we mm -hmm. have received this new thing and then we used to it and then it's not so special to us anymore. So it's to spend your money on experiences or travels yeah. or enjoying time with friends, but things that are short enough for your brain to still really remember this as a novel one-off it was amazing ah okay and when I thought of that example I thought of like how many times haven't we brought up our trip to the Maldives <laughs> where we've been once for six days but it's just this thing that keeps on coming up because it felt incredibly luxurious to be doing that trip and doing it in January which is always a bad weather month in Sweden yeah and it's this kind of experience that just keeps on popping up and we remember it and we feel happy about it Yeah, that's a good 
example, and I'm I, I'm thinking Italy as well goes to that list. Mm -hmm. Those experiences and and also like just think about our yoga retreat. Mm -hmm. How amazing was that? That was truly an investment in us, right? Absolutely. And I felt I spent the first kind of half complaining about it, and then, <laughs> and then I and then the second half loving. I need to go back and listen to those uh, episodes again. The yoga diaries. Yeah, the I, yoga I think diaries. I remember us when we were like sitting there with towels over our head to get the sound okay. But all right, so. I'm interested because you also, you've done lots of research here, Josephine, and you're saying, what about women and, and wealth? What what can we learn around that? Yes. So, I mean, the, the interesting thing about women and wealth is that there are a lot more women that are now considered wealthy. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a big study in The Economist, uh, the paper Economist on women and wealth. And What they were finding, and which I think are some interesting patterns for us to discuss, is that younger women, more often than older women, say that they have earned their wealth through their businesses rather than through inheritance. Yes. So there's a lot of movement already to, to women building successful businesses, which is a great change. Mm, that's very um, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Half of millennial women reported that they gained their wealth through businesses and only half had inherited. So they asked. Women that were already wealthy. Yes, exactly. So this study was made with women that had more than one million US dollar invested. Mm, okay. This was the basis of the study. And by contrast, more than half of the baby boomers said that they inherited uh, their money, while only 30% said that they gained their wealth through business. Oh. So it's a great uh, kind of increase in that way. It's a nice shift. I'm loving that. It's a nice shift. And the other part that is uh, related to this is that also millennial women said that they were taking much more responsibility in their household in terms of how their wealth was being spent. Mm. Um, so for millennials, um, 72% were claiming that they were the ones that were taking the, the decisions based to, to financial well-being. Yeah, I, I think that's great to hear. That's really, really good news and very important. Yeah, absolutely. So Josephine, before we listen into Crystal, uh, we have a few recommendations or insights that we think are sort of core, simple for everyone to consider when they revisit their wealth situation. Yes, absolutely. So first of all, it's really to look into how do you define your own definition of wealth mm -hmm. and really see what is it that you want uh, in your life and on a broader scale, right? So what do you want in terms of salary in order to be able to be with your family, to, to do what you need to do and, and want to do. Mm -hmm. And this might be especially important if you are in the midst of a career change because you need to see, okay, am I, what am I sacrificing and what do I want to have? That's great. And the next part is really revisit and think about your salary and how you negotiate. I, I think a lot of us can do better here. We've shared that in a different episode on the, some tips on negotiation. So you can go in there if you want to learn more about it. But always negotiate. Always see if you can push a little bit further. Mm. And that goes if you are a salaried employee, but also if you do your own business. So I might have shared this before, but uh, one of my friends back 
home in Stockholm, she is in the chandelier cleaning business, right? And we were having this uh, talk and I was like, how much do you make per chandelier? She's like, yeah, just telling me whatever it was. And then just like, yeah, I'm extremely busy. And I'm, you know, she, she kept getting like lots and lots of business and she couldn't even get to all of it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why don't you like double whatever it is you take? She's like, no, I can't do that. I'm like, well, how long have you kept this? Bro? Yeah, it's been for quite some years now. What would happen if you doubled your price? Well, I would lose some clients. And I said, well, <laughs> would you lose more than you would gain from the ones that you would keep? Because there's really no competition. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a big insight for her. We were talking and, you know, discussing back and forth. And she went back and she, even to this day, she's like, I'm so grateful, Victoria, for that discussion because she went back, changed her pricing model. Yes, indeed, she lost a few clients, but she's earning much more in total. So her business is doing so much better. And, and especially I think if you, sorry, but if your business isn't so scalable, that is a great piece of advice because she couldn't clone herself. No, exactly. Um, to, to do all of them. Yeah. So, and, and I think you also stress this a lot, Josephine, which is really good, but don't be afraid of charging for your skill and your talent and your unique contribution. Yes. Don't be afraid of that because people are coming to you and buying that service because they need it and they don't have it. Yeah, I mean, it's an insight. And just because something potentially comes easy to you does not mean that that is not something that others are willing to pay for. Yeah. And that is really valuable for them. Yeah. And that really connects to another part, which is that buying yourself time yes. is also a great way of getting, of purchasing happiness in a way. And I think it can be a twofold because it also means that if you are selling something that allows other people to buy their time, that is something that you can charge for. Yes, that's a great insight. So, and for sure, I think when we talk about wealth, uh, to me, that also means to be able to have time, right? The, the way we use our time. Absolutely. And I still, I mean, this comes from, I guess, from privileged situation in terms that I do have some savings and, and so on. But we're still, while I might be cutting down on, on some expenses, I'm still trying to have some of the like, help, um, either with babysitting or maybe with cleaning and so on, just because there are things that enables me to be more productive and actually to just feel happier. Like it yeah. gives me so much pleasure coming home to a clean <laughs> to a clean home and it also reduces like arguments with the significant others there are a lot of reasons for that yeah and then our and our final tips then before speaking with crystal is of course to take control of your own savings and your investments yes so this i mean of course it's it relates to all of us and we, i feel like we often get to hear you know you sh start when you're young i would just say start now yes um, the second best option than yesterday or when you were young ex <laughs> right exactly so start now get an idea of what your situation is and then start to looking into really simple things like index funds where you don't have to know anything about stocks or markets um, and you start a, a saving plan for yourself that's great. And I think also when you do that, at least for me, and I, I like that, to look for things that are meaningful. If you are going to invest, maybe invest in, in things and stocks, if you're going that way, in companies that you also believe in their idea and what they stand for. I think that 
in an overall wealth perspective is really making the world a better place. Yes, and actually a lot of uh, the same study that I was looking at from The Economist is showing that that younger women, uh, wealthy younger women are doing that a lot more. I love that. And they spend more money on charity, but they also feel like they are more, they have more impact over what happens for the charity. So there's a lot of like follow up in terms of the charity. We just don't give the money away and feel good about it. But we actually spend on organizations where we feel like there's a real impact taking place. Yeah, that's great. So now let's move on to speak with uh, Crystal McGilvery, which is a London-based financial education advocate and co-founder of MyBFD and Money Intelligence, uh, which exists to provide a platform for learning and improving financial literacy in the UK. So I'm super excited to have her here, coach, mentor, and you can check her out on her website, Money Mondays. That's great. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have Crystal McGillery, um, who's a chartered accountant, a financial education advocate, coach, and co-founder of EdTech startup MyBFD and financial education platform Money Intelligence on the podcast today. And uh, Crystal, you're deeply passionate about the psychology of financial decision-making, financial education, and the opportunities around those. And you're really an inspiration as you dedicate your time helping others to learn and take care of their minds in the process of, of this, <laughs> of all of this. You spent over 10 years working as an accountant for companies in the creative spaces of PR, advertising, marketing, and technology, and were responsible for managing the finances of million pound businesses. So you really seem like the perfect guest to have on this podcast episode where we're really looking into our wealth and how we how we thrive and for many now obviously being a very challenging situation 
Um, but we also want to think about wealth, you know, in the, in the bigger picture. What are we thinking around when we're saying that we want to make sure that we have wealthy um, lives and, and careers, but especially from that financial aspect? So very happy to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's let's jump straight into it. Um, what is the advice that you would want to give people that are, um, what, what should they start doing now if you want to improve your finances? So it's always a difficult question because I think the solution to improving your finances is very relative and subject to where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have debt, some people don't. Uh, some people have an emergency fund, some people don't. So it's all very relative. But I think there are some main things that you should definitely have in place. Um, and I think especially given the current times and what's happened, it's kind of brought to the surface, actually, these are really key. And um, the first one is having an emergency fund, a safety net, basically. So this is building up some cash that you have in a bank that's of easy access to use in an emergency. So for example, like these times, if you were unfortunately made uh, redundant or Even furloughed, having a stash of money that you could use just in case to cover rent or, you know, if your washing machine breaks down or something like that, instead of you having to go and borrow money in emergency, which often means whether it's a payday loan or a credit card with awful interest, you know, putting yourself in a worse situation, it's it's really good behavior to go and build up an emergency fund. Mm. And And just to touch on that, the question that usually follows is, well, how much should I save? Mm-hmm. And depending on who you speak to, some people scream and say, hey, six months worth of expenses, you know, which is a lot of money for some people, right? Yeah. Obviously, I'm here in London and, you know, we're talking about rents, mortgages of £1,200. That plus other expenses times six is a large number. Mm-hmm. So I'd say start where you are and, you know, start working to save up at least one month. You want to have something in terms of how to go about doing that, start with, you know, saving £10, £100 a month, a week, whatever you can manage. Mm-hmm. But the focus here is on building that habit. Yeah. So it becomes normal for you to save up that emergency fund. Where, where would you put that money? Just in the bank account or would you invest them at all? Or No. So with an emergency fund, you want to have it as easy access as possible. So this could be an ISA depending on, you know, your circumstances and any other savings you have. Or it could just be in a current account. Many current accounts are better than savings accounts in terms of the interest they offer. Again, I'm talking about the UK here, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be the same elsewhere. But you want to put it in an account where you're not going to be charged if you take the money out. And you're not going to lose out financially by doing that. Yeah. Um, and then any other savings you have could be in a fixed um, account, which you know is locked away. But it needs to be somewhere easy access. Great. Then I think I'd say... Consider insurance. So like with those who have uh, lost their jobs during these times, something like income protection would have been really useful. Uh, so this is where you were paid if you lost your job. Okay. So you still would receive the income from this insurance policy if you lost your job. Uh, or other types of insurance like critical illness, you know, if you became ill, unfortunately. And those things are just, obviously there is security, but a bit like the emergency fund, it's just you, you want to feel safe and be prepared for something to happen that you, you didn't plan for. Great advice and, and maybe something uh, yeah, particularly relevant for, for these times, as you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I think kind of going back to the emergency fund and a lot of people I work with, especially on the coaching, they're afraid to kind of look at their finances. They're afraid to, 
you know, some people are afraid to open uh, their bank statement and look at their bank account and see the balance or, you know, see where they're standing because they're not in control of their finances. And I think especially now and always, of course, you should have uh, clarity over your finances, knowing how much money you're making, knowing how much you're spending. And if you haven't done that yet, set a day to do it. Roll your sleeves up, be brave Mm -hmm. and dive into your finances. And if you are afraid to do so, I'd say look at it as though, fair enough, if you've had, you know, bad habits in the past, praise yourself for today taking the steps to improve your finances. You should pat yourself on the back because you're being brave and looking at your finances. So you really want to have clarity over your financial situation. Mm -hmm. And if you're not clear on anything, seek advice, whether it's from a finance professional like myself or, you know, the internet has lots of information that you can access for free. Yeah. um, To, yeah, upskill yourself. Great. And I think the last one would be just making your money work hard for you. And it sounds great, (laughs) but this is where basically you're just educated and and you really understand what you can do with your money. So like I mentioned earlier, sometimes current accounts are better than savings accounts. So it might be in your interest to pop them in a current account. You know, there's cards and banks where you get paid for spending. Mm. Um, Like myself, I've got several bank accounts and I've I've said this and got quite interesting reactions. I've got about seven bank accounts. <laughs> I do, I, I don't know if this is naughty, but I move money around to take advantage of the cash back I receive, you know, from all these bank accounts. And, mm. you know, there's a smart things you can do with your money, but obviously that requires you to be educated on finances and talk to someone and just find out what's out there. Mm. And how much, I mean, that requires quite a bit of work moving there. I mean, it requires some interest or no? Well, mine's all automated. So there's a bit like any kind of passive income, which is what it would be. You know, they require initial setup. Mm-hmm. So that requires you to know what bank accounts would work for you. I've got, for example, three bank accounts that I move money between. And I've just identified what the interest rates are, what's required as and how much direct debits need to go out of them. And then I've just allocated them to those accounts. And that's it. There's standing order set up and the money just moves around. So I'm not touching that for a year. And it's not a large amount of money necessarily. But yes, there is some some setup. But once it's done, you leave it. Oh, fantastic. And what are other ways of making making money work for you? <laughs> Investing. That's other things you can do. Or even, you know, tapping into some skills that you have or assets that you have and capitalizing on those. There are many passive ways you could generate income. And this new age, you know, we're all about technology now, but things such as digital assets is another space that, you really could make a nice bit of change off of just setting something up and popping it online and leaving it to you know generate an income. Hmm. I mean, I think it's just about being creative and kind of identifying what your skills are. Yeah. And I think people sometimes draw a blank and I think, consider what you do for work. Literally sit there and do an audit. What am I skilled at? List those things down. Yeah. And then you know, do a Google search or talk to people and and try to understand what needs are, what problems can you solve with your abilities and turn that into an income. So it does require creativity. Often when it comes to finances, it's about creativity, less so numerical ability. Oh, well, that's great. So let's say that you are someone who's, uh, I mean, you're you're interested in in your finances, you're interested in your wealth and and you have a sense of, you know, what your spending is and, and so on. And you kind of build that buffer 
for say six months or three months or whatever you can make. Mm -hmm. What would you say, what's the next level? Like what would you do next? The, the more maybe not advanced version, but <laughs> the, yeah, the next step. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. If you've built up your emergency fund, I think if you haven't already, you need to build a financial plan. So you need to think about your current circumstances and where you want to go. What are your plans for the future? So what kind of life do you want to have? And that would lead you to figure out how you want to generate your money for later life, whether we're thinking about retirement or just, you know, five, 10 years even. Mm -hmm. Then it's a matter of structuring your finances now to support that life. And I think we touched on this briefly when we spoke before, but then you can think about investments. And we spoke about index funds as a starting point for investing, but there are so many different asset classes you can invest in. You can go for the traditional pension, of course. And I don't know if it's the same where you are, but in the UK, you know, your employer has to contribute to your pensions. And some employers offer quite attractive inputs to your pension, whether it's matching or just, you know, above and beyond what's required legally. Okay. So it's always a good starting point because you get the tax incentive on top. Um, and that's technically you investing in stocks and shares. But outside of your pension through the workplace or a pension alone, you can invest in stocks and shares separately. I'm not going to talk about trading because that's not investing. That's a different type of stocks and shares. And that requires a whole different skill. And it's very risky, mm. of course. But there's other things. There's there's property investing. And there's obviously different types of different ways to get into property investing. And often when you think of property, you may think of the large deposit you require but there are other ways to get into it, you know, and depending on where you're looking to buy your property uh, in the UK, if you were to invest up north, mm -hmm. uh, you know, property prices are much, much lower, 100K, 70K, and deposits required for that, you know, 10, 20%, the numbers come down. Or you could do other types of investing into property, such as, I don't know if you've heard of rent to rent. No. So that's where a landlord rents out their property, you approach them and say, I will rent out your property and pay you a secured amount of money, but then you rent it out for more. So you benefit from the gain. Okay. But the difference with that model is you don't have to have a deposit. You're still making money off of property, but from a different angle. Mm. And that's totally legal and it's it's picking up quite a lot of momentum over here. Um, and there's so many other ways, you know, peer-to-peer -peer lending. There's lots of platforms for you to do that. And I think it's about kind of, like I said earlier, looking at, yourself and your finances and where you want to get to and identifying which would suit you and what you want to achieve. Uh, that's great. This reminds me, you mentioned when we've talked before about so much has to do also about the mindset around money. Yeah. And um, a lot of the people that I spoke to when I researched uh, for this podcast interview, they felt a level of embarrassment or there was something kind of I don't really want to talk about wealth. Uh, that, there's something around that word. Um, it's maybe the, also the idea around investment is really tricky. Mm -hmm. um, well, what would you say in regards to that? And sh should we work on our mindsets in relation to <laughs> to money? Yes, totally. And and I, yeah, I, I would have normally mentioned this earlier. When it comes to the mind, that's an area I'm really interested in. I'm I'm studying neurofinance, which is all about the mind and understanding why we make the financial decisions that we do. And it's not really a, a topic that we talk about much when it comes to finances, but it should be because your money behavior, your habits, what you do day to day is totally a direct link to your emotions. Mm. And if you think about your emotions, they're a result of what you've learned 
from being a small child. So you learn from your parents, your guardians, you learn from, you know, university life, your career, the working life, your, you know, there's so many different factors that go into building you emotionally and getting you to where you are today. And like I mentioned earlier, people who are afraid to look at their bank accounts or people who are risk adverse or very frivolous with their money. You know, everybody has different character traits and and that's okay. I think what people need to do is to kind of stop and reflect, Mm. you know, understand and look at what do you do and identify those behaviors that are not in line with those goals that you want to achieve Mm -hmm. and and kind of identifying that, that gap and the discrepancy then gives you the tools to, okay, right, so I'm doing this, which is not going to get me there. Yeah. So then you need to dig and try to say, okay, why am I doing that? What do I believe? What do I feel? And often when you talk like that and, and tap into that feeling, it brings up some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then it's about working on that. Where does that come from? Why do I feel that way? Okay, that's not true. Okay, turn it around. And often when you think that way, so with the clients I work with, when, when I get them through that process, it's really enlightening. You can see this massive light bulb kind of appear like, oh, that makes sense. Then all of a sudden you're motivated, right, I can do this, I can achieve that goal. And that really transformed your finances. Um, and I think it's really powerful. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. That's that's great. And you've, you've already touched upon this, but my, my last question was around what are the, the more surprising ways or, or things that we might not have thought about in how we can increase, increase uh, the wealth that we have and increase our, our income in a way. Yeah. So I think, again, back depending on where you are, there are some really small, easy ways that you can kind of bring in a few extra pounds. And I, I tend to try to strip it back to real basics. You know, like I said earlier, tapping into your, your assets and your skills that you have at the moment. And, you know, the internet's there. You can find so much. And since I've dived into this internet stuff a bit more, I think I counted and this is, I'm really quite proud. I've got 12 different income streams. Mm. And that's because I've tapped in all the different ways that I can make money. And a large portion of it is the internet. So, you know, there's also things like renting out your car, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you live, if you have a car and you, you know, semi-ignore COVID for a minute. Yeah. If you go to work and you leave your car at home, there are people who could benefit and may need to use your car and you can get paid quite nicely, depending on what car you have. Mm. Or, you know, your parking space. If you have a parking space with where you live, maybe you've got one assigned to your property. But again, if you're living in a really attractive location, passive income, you're not doing anything, but you're taking advantage of the assets that you have. And other things, teaching online, you know, a couple hours a week, especially countries like China, they really fall online teaching. Hmm. And we all, again, if you're employed, oh, you know, you're likely to have skills that other people are going to benefit from. And even, you know, something like teaching English, it's it's pretty lucrative. Um, And, you know, if you're an English speaker it's pretty easy to, to get a job. I could continue. Yeah, but. <laughs> no, but that's that's great ideas. I mean, so what would your, if we break that down to something practical, and so mm-hmm. what would you, what would you do? You would look, okay, what, what are the skills that I have or what are the assets that I have, like a car that could be rented out? Um, and then just search for that. So like, where would you start off? How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, sure. With If you have a car and you know you have times in the day where you don't use the car literally jump on google uh in the uk we have companies such as hire car i think the other one's called juro mm-hmm. and you literally just pop your car on the website and it's available for people to hire 
you don't have to do anything else. Insurance and everything is sorted by them. Mm-hmm. And it's literally booked online and your car is taken away. I think when I started doing it, I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It's it's all safe. It's secure. And even if, like I have had, people return the car and it's a bit dirty, um, they pay to have it cleaned. So you're not losing out at all. Yeah. And same with things like, you know, writing, you know, being a copywriter. If you are a specialist in a certain field, there are people who want articles written on that topic, almost every topic. And again, just the internet is so useful. Pop on the internet and Googling, you know, copywriting or get paid writing, freelance writing, Upwork, Fiverr. There are so many places you can advertise yourself as a writer in that space. And if you haven't got maybe the best life of detail when it comes to writing, Again, teach yourself, you know, pop on YouTube and learn a couple of rules and just and practice writing and, you know, maybe start a blog just to get comfortable writing. And then before you know it, you can get paid for your words. Wonderful. Well, thank you. These are so many useful insights, um, both from the perspective of just kind of what you should do, but then also being creative is really what comes out for me as the main kind of having an open mind and being creative and then there are plenty of different streams um, that you can find for finance so where do people uh, reach you if, if they want uh, financial support or guidance or coaching my website crystalmcgilfrey.com wonderful okay so thank you so much for joining us that's okay it's been great thank you for having me Wow, that was really interesting. I would love to hear even more here. But so here's the thing, Josephine, I'm thinking in the end of the day, I I think wealth and the way we consider it is so important to our career and to our well-being. And I think the advice for all of you out there, if you haven't already, is take charge, take control, because at the end of the day, you don't want to be dependent? Can you look into your financials so that you can feel long-term more secure and independent for whatever reasons? I think that can just help you to be able to put all your focus and love and energy to all these other aspects of your career. Absolutely. And the sooner you start to take control, um, the less you actually have to worry and, and threat about it. Yeah. Um, so it's really about, you know, making a plan, starting to implement it, and then you can sit back and it's on automatic. Yeah, very good. So we for December, we we're thinking that we're going to have a challenge for all of you listeners um, to listen to this episode and then think about one thing that you want to stop, start and continue in terms of your financial health and, and wealth. That's wonderful. <laughs> Do you want to start? What, what are you going to stop, start and continue? Um, yeah, so I, I'm stopping, uh, I'm going to stop my automatic subscriptions. So just kind of looking through what are the things that are just ticking on mm-hmm. that I have to just really get a, you know, I'm not going to stop all of them, but just make sure that I have that financial control. Like what are the things again that I'm paying on a monthly basis and that I could stop with potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start, I mean, December is a tricky month yeah. <laughs> for spending, but I guess start to uh, plan quite early now on uh, what I'm going to purchase for Christmas and kind of keep that spending within some kind of control. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and I will continue to invest my money on a monthly basis. Oh, that's wonderful. Good. Okay, so I'm going to also stop that. I, I tend to be very good with my plan for Christmas gifts and all of that at the start of December. And then towards the end, I'm like adding on and doing all. So I'm going to stop that spontaneous. I'm going to be better planned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start to do a financial plan together with my husband for next year. Mm-hmm. I've done that in the past and that's so good. But now we've been moving and it's a little bit haywire everywhere. So to just really look at exactly what you're saying, like even simple things like subscriptions and all of that, like how do we really spend our, our daily finances? And I'm also going to be uh, continuing to spend money, but spend money on the things that are valuable long term and not just short term. Very good. And when I'm saying that spending money, spending and investing money yes. in, in things that are, are good Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. This was our session on wealth. Um, If you like this, if you think it was useful, please recommend this podcast episode to another friend or another one person that might enjoy this as much as you did. And that's really how we can continue and grow the podcast. Yes. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We so appreciate it. Have a wonderful wealthy December and we'll (laughs) come back soon. (laughs) The next episode is all about setting yourself up for success in the next year. Yes. Take care, everybody. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.